Happy Easter. He is risen. Oh, glorious. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, today we are going to be talking about Easter, I promise you, but we are going to get there eventually, okay? We will be talking about Easter, but we will be going around a roundabout way. Um, today's, the, the, the title of today's message is The Sheep and the Shepherds. I'm going to ask you a question, and this question is usually aimed at those probably under the age of five. Put your hand up if you're under the age of five. Anyone in the room? Okay, wonderful. This question is for you, but I'm expecting full cooperation from everyone in the room. All right? What noise does a sheep make? One more time. What noise does a sheep make? Ah. Uh, See, I closed my eyes, and I could be in the Peak District somewhere. It's like a glorious flock of lambs, beautiful, wonderful. Um, what, we need, what we can see from reading the Bible sometimes is that we are all a bit like sheep. You sounded a bit like sheep there, just then, but there are a number of ways that we can be a bit like sheep. Um, Jesus said that, well, it says in the Bible that Jesus had compassion on people because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And I'm sort of taking that phrase today, taking that verse, I'm going to give you a phrase, and this is the thing you need to remember, okay? If there's anything you're going to remember today, remember this phrase, I'm going to say it many times, we are all like sheep in need of a good shepherd, okay? If you're making notes, write that down, say it with me. We are all like sheep in need of the good shepherd. Wonderful. We're going to be basing ourselves in Jesus's, one of Jesus' most famous stories. That is the story of the lost sheep. So if you've got a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 15. We're going to be reading verses 1 to 7. All right. Words will hopefully appear up on the screen as well. I'm sure they have. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. He calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your son Jesus, who is alive we thank you that he died and that he rose again and we get to celebrate that today. Jesus, I thank you that you are our good shepherds. And I pray, Lord Jesus, would you be calling people by name today? Holy Spirit, come. Come and fill this place. Come and fill me. Come and help me, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. So what is going on here? What is this story about? And why is Jesus telling it? There's some good questions. Around 2,000 years ago uh, in Israel, a group of people called the Pharisees were called to look after the people of Israel. 
They were called to lead the Israelites in the way that God wanted them to live. But they weren't very good at it in some ways. The Israelites were like the flock and the sheep, the flock of sheep, and the Pharisees were supposed to be their shepherd. If any Israelite was struggling to follow God, the Pharisees were supposed to help them come to follow God more. But they didn't do that very well. The Pharisees, they actually pushed them away. They isolated people who were, not, who were struggling to follow God. These people who were struggling to follow God were called sinners. And tax collectors were the worst of sinners in that time. And so the Pharisees who were supposed to be drawing them closer to God was pushing them away. They were being bad shepherds. Jesus, however, is a good shepherd. He was the opposite of the Pharisees. He got close to those people called sinners. He hung out with them and he drew them closer to God. And even because, because Jesus is God, when Jesus drew close to the sinners and tax collectors, God himself was drawing close to the sinners and tax collectors. And when we read these parts of the Bible, we can ask ourselves, who are we like in this passage? Who are we like when we read this? Are we like Jesus? Are we like the Pharisees? Or are we like the sinners and tax collectors? Now, sometimes those of us who are Christians, we can be like the Pharisees. And so looking at it from that perspective is a really good way to read the story. However, today we're going to look at it as from the angle of being the lost sheep, of those who don't follow Jesus. So today, if you're in the room here, or if you're watching afterwards, I don't know, and you're not a follower of Jesus, this is for you. And in fact, it's for those of us too who we think we might have become a follower of Jesus in the past, but we've started not really following that now. Or for those of us who think we, we truly believe we are a follower of Jesus, but actually there's something else going on. This message today is for you. We are the lost sheep. Put your hand up if you have ever got lost. Who's got lost in the room? I'm expecting every single hand in the air, uh, hand to go up in the air. We've all got lost, haven't we? Let me tell you a story about a time when I got lost. I was probably, I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine, roughly like that. Who, who is six, seven, eight, nine? Hands in the air, wonderful. I see those hands, beautiful. When I was roughly this age, I went to a supermarket with my mum. And I got lost in the supermarket. Has anyone else been lost in the supermarket? I'm not the only person, yeah. So I'm glad I'm not the only one. To be honest, I still get lost in supermarkets now, to be honest. Going to a big Tesco Extra, oh my word, it can be a bit overwhelming, can't it? But anyway, when I was, when I was this age and I was going to the supermarket with my mum, she said, William, I was being called William at that stage, William, stick close to me. Stay close to me as we do this shop. I was like, okay, mum. We got to, I don't know, fruit and veg. Yeah, I don't know about some, some people in here, but sometimes you want to really find those nice peppers, don't you, as you're going through the peppers. And, and mum was spending a, quite a long time going through these peppers, and I'm just getting a bit bored. And I can see in the distance, 
the magazine section, and I was a big fan of the Beano. Anyone else big fans of Beano? Beano in here? I was part of the Beano club. I loved the Beano. And I could see the magazine section over there, and to be honest, I stopped thinking about my mom looking at the peppers, and I just wandered off. I wandered straight over, and I went to that magazine. I picked up Beano. I hadn't read this one, so I was looking through it, having a great time. It must have been only a couple of moments. I turn, mum's gone. She's gone. And I'm thinking, oh dear, oh dear, what am I going to do now? I take the Beano with me, because I want mum to buy the Beano, obviously. I take the Beano with me, and I start walking around the shop, looking around down every single aisle. Now, my mum was wearing a pink jumper of some sort that day, and I could see down at the bottom end of the aisle a woman, similar length of hair, wearing a pink jumper. That's got to be my mum. That's got to be my mum. So I, I walk down that aisle. What does she do, this woman? She walks off and goes down another aisle. So I'm following this lady around the supermarket, trying to catch up with her. I catch up with her, pull on the jumper. It's not my mum. It's someone else. Mad panic setting in. Eventually, I was reunited with my mum. Now, that is an example of me getting lost physically. And I don't know about you, when times you have got lost physically, we have all got lost at some points. But isn't only a physical thing. We can feel lost too. Who's in school? Some of you in school? Yeah. Sitting in maths lessons? I used to sit there and feel very lost sometimes. <laughs> sit there going, what on earth is going on? Any of you like cricket? Anyone like cricket? Great. I'm really pleased for you. I struggle with cricket. I don't really like it very much. I got put on the cricket team for some bizarre reason. I'm standing on this cricket pitch having no idea what's going on. What am I supposed to do? I'm feeling a little bit lost. Maybe, uh, well, I'll tell you another one. When I started a new job at some point, the job before I started working here, by the way, um, I went into the, uh, to the office of this job and everyone knew each other. I didn't know anyone. I was feeling lost. We've all felt lost. We've all been lost. I can tell you now that the time when I felt most lost was probably when my dad passed away. When my dad passed away, not only did I have that knowing, that I've, feeling I've lost, I've lost him, but the general, what do I do? How do I live my life now? These are things which all of us think. Every single one of us here. I've thought it, you've thought it. We are the lost sheep. And I'm telling you today that if you are not walking with Jesus, you are lost. You are lost. Whether you're feeling it or not, it's the truth. The Bible says that we are all like sheep have gone astray. So when we read this passage, we can need to see that we are the lost sheep. We are all like sheep in need of the good shepherd. Let's say it with us. We are all like sheep in need of the good shepherd. So how did we get lost? Big important question. If we are lost sheep, well, how did we get lost in the first place? Well, let's go back to the beginning, shall we, to answer that. Did you know that you were made by God in his image and for a purpose? Those three things are true for every single one of us. God created you. 
He made you. The Bible says that he knitted you together in your mother's womb. He made you. And when he made you, he made you in his image. That's sort of a weird phrase, isn't it? To be be made in the image of God. What does that mean? Well, it basically means that we're kind of made a little bit like him. Nothing else on the earth or anything else that's ever been created has been made in a sort of likeness of God, apart from humans, apart from us. We've got to remember, though, we are not God. We are a little bit like him. God made you in his image, and he gave you a purpose. The Bible says that we were made to rule over the land. If you get close to Jesus, he will give you something to do. He will give you a reason to live. He will give you a purpose. If you sit in it today, you go, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what life's about. Get close to Jesus. He will give you a purpose. It gives you a reason to live. However, the big issue is that we do not follow this shepherd who made us, who made us in his image, and who gives us purpose. We don't do it. We have a tendency to always follow something else. We always follow something that believe in that this thing which we follow will give us protection. Believing it will give us fulfillment. Believing it will give us identity. Believing it will give us life. We follow and run after things which are not the good shepherd. And the issue is is that when we follow these things, it's a bit like me in the supermarket. I'm following someone thinking it's my mum and it's not. We follow things in this life thinking that's the thing which will give us all this. This will give us life. This will give us identity. This will give us purpose and protection. No, it doesn't. These false things that we follow are bad shepherds. And you know what they do? They get you even more lost. You get lost by following them. I got lost by following that lady around the shop. I didn't know know where I was going. And once I caught up with her, I realized... Oh my word, where am I? That's how we can feel in life. So what are examples of bad shepherds? If I'm listing off all these things, saying that we naturally do things, well, what are they? What are bad shepherds? Wonderful Rach prayed out, money. (laughs) Money is a bad shepherd. We can follow and run after money. Thinking that money, or if I've got money, you know what? I can pay for anything that I ever need. If I get unwell or something, I've got money, it sorts me out. If I've got money, I can buy the coolest shoes and I'll be cool. Or something like that. That's what we can think. If I have money, we can get all this stuff. And actually, when we want to get money and do that, it kind of, we believe it will give us a status that people will look to us. Well, they've got money. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money does not satisfy. Money leads to arrogance. Money does your character no good. The love of money is bad. Money is something we can follow. Popularity. We can follow after popularity. Oh, when I was in school, 
When I was in primary school, I wanted to be the best at football in my class. One reason and one reason only, so that everyone liked me. That's it. I was striving after popularity. If you're in school and you are running after that thing of being popular, it's another, it's a bad shepherd. It can become the thing which we live for. It's not good. Popularity is another thing. If we think if we have lots of friendships, it leads to status. And if loads of people are looking at us, going, cool, they've got lots of friends. They must be really cool or whatever. And then suddenly we start thinking we have power. And this power that we have, or we can control people. That is what happens when we put popularity as our shepherd. And we follow after that. Maybe it's not popularity. Maybe it's experiences. We live for experiences, don't we? I, uh, I might not look it, but I am 27, I promise you. I know some of you are thinking he's probably in his mid-40s, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> lots of people around my age and younger all are living for traveling experiences. Anyone's got Instagram on Insta? Oh, look at that. Look at that person's traveling page. Wow, that's amazing. It's something we live for. My Instagram makes me look really impressive because I've traveled to all these places. We live for it. Maybe it's not traveling experiences. We can live for sexual experiences as well. It's something which can become our God. When I was 12, um, I uh, was running after popularity. Uh, as I was saying to you, that was in primary school. When I got to 12, it was like, oh, I really want girls to like me and stuff like that, and I want to be cool, and I want to be all that stuff. So I strove after popularity, and it meant that I didn't tell anyone that I went to a church. I didn't tell anybody, because if I told them that I went to church, oh dear, oh dear, my status would go so low. I wouldn't be cool. I wouldn't be popular. Girls wouldn't like me. That's what happened when I was 12. I lived like that for five years. A double life of five years. I tell you now, it's hard work. It's hard work to be living double life. I reached 17, and that was it. I was like, you know what? I just, I just want to have a girlfriend, and I want to have sexual experience. That's it. That's what I'm living for. It's something we live for. And it doesn't fulfill. It doesn't satisfy. It makes you feel, makes you feel, it makes you more lost. You are more lost when you run after these things. Now, in and of themselves, these things aren't actually bad things, by the way. You know, it's usually through money that God provides for us. Having friendships is a really important thing. God made us for friendship, you know, made us to have friendships, to be part of a community like a church. God has made us in that way. And, and, and sex within the confines of a marriage between a man and a woman is a wonderful thing to be celebrated. It's when you take it outside of that place that it's bad and not good. These things in and of themselves aren't bad. It's when we replace God with them. Here's a posh word for you, idolatry. We idolize them. We make them our idol. I'm living for that. They are things which we just naturally and have a tendency to live for. And they are the things which are innately inside us and we can't get away from it. Posh word, sin. It's in us. We can't get away from it. It naturally leads us to want to go astray and follow a bad shepherd. What are we, guys? 
We are all like sheep in need of a good shepherd. These are just some examples of uh, bad shepherds. Let me give you some more examples of bad shepherds. The world is full of people wanting to tell you stuff which is not true. Anyone here got Instagram? Yes, I have. Full of people wanting to tell you stuff which aren't true. Anyone got TikTok? Full of people wanting to tell you things which aren't true. Bad shepherds are on there. And what they can say to you is that you can be the shepherd of your own life. Oh, that's the thing. That's the thing we love to hear. Oh, I can be whoever I want to be. Oh, I love that. It's not true, though. It's a load of rubbish. We can't be living like that, being whoever you want to be. It sounds freeing. When I say, when someone says to you, you can be whoever you want to be, it's like, oh, wow. That's freedom that I have. We weren't supposed to ever have to work out who we want to be. We weren't made to have to try and discover who we are. Saying be whoever you want to be is pressurizing because we're not supposed to have to work it out. We're not supposed to have to work it out. God tells us, the good shepherd tells us. We're going to get onto that later on of what the good shepherd tells us. So there's one phrase which is bad. Be whoever you want to be. Here's another one. You're enough just as you are. Oh, isn't that a nice phrase as well? You're enough just as you are. It sounds inspirational. We have all let ourselves down, haven't we? I have let myself down on so many occasions. You would be lying to me, any of you, turned to me and said, I've never let myself down. I've always lived up to my own standards. That's a lie, I'm afraid. That's just not true. You will have let yourself down. Saying you're enough just as you are is basically saying you need to accept that you do bad stuff and that you don't live up to your own standard and live with it. It's what they say. It's lies. They're bad shepherds. And we need to to flee away from them. We are all like sheep in need of a good shepherd. And uh, we're going to flick to another passage in the Bible now, John chapter 10. Um, John chapter 10 is another passage where Jesus talks about being, he talks about shepherds, he talks about sheep, an awful lot. And in verses 12 to 13, Jesus says, the hired hand is not the shepherd's and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. These bad shepherds, they don't care about us. They don't. They care. I mean, I can talk about influencers for a moment. Forgive me, but... They're doing things for their own popularity, influencers do. It's all about how many followers I've got and how can I maintain that number of followers, how can I get even more. That's how they live. If something bad were to happen to you and you're looking at your phone, scrolling through whatever socials you're on and you're looking at this person saying something to you and you're thinking, oh man, they're giving me loads of really good advice here. They don't actually care about you. They're the hired hands. 
When bad things come along, they will not be able to protect you. So there are, the world is full of bad shepherds. Never mind having our own tendencies in our heart as well. We're in a sticky situation. The issue is, is that when we leave the good shepherd, which we all do and naturally do, when we leave the good shepherd and follow other things like money, like popularity, like experiences, following ourselves, following social media influences and blah de blah when we get lost, we end up, we actually deserve to stay lost. We deserve to stay lost. What that looks like in, in reality is that we deserve that when we die to go to hell. We don't deserve to be found. We deserve to experience the wrath from the good shepherd. It's what happens when we run. That is what we deserve. We are in a sticky situation. What an issue we find ourselves in. So what does the good shepherd do? Let's think about the good shepherd now. Let's go back to our story. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep? The good shepherd does the thing which we don't deserve. He runs after us. He comes to find us. He reaches out for us. And what does that look like? That looks like Jesus, who is fully God, who's been uh, reigning forever, always existed. It looks like him leaving heaven to come to earth. That is him coming out to find the lost sheep. He leaves the glory of heaven to come to this earth a load of people who are following something else which isn't him chases after us. And Jesus, he does the thing which we deserve. I was saying that we deserve the wrath of God. Let's go back to John chapter 10, shall we? Verses 11, and we're going to flick from 11 to verse 18. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 18. No one takes it from me. He's talking about his life here. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. Jesus, the good shepherd, he chose to leave heaven, to come to earth, and he willingly took the wrath that we deserve when he was murdered on the cross, when he was crucified. It wasn't that the Romans managed to get hold of him and they managed to, to kill him. No, he willingly chose to do that. He could have not gone through with it, but he chose to. And as he's dying on the cross, the, the God is pouring out his wrath upon him. The good shepherd dying in place of the sheep. That's what he does. The good shepherd protects you. The hired hand doesn't protect you, but the good shepherd does. 
If you are following something else, which is not God, which is not Jesus, and you're running after money, um, experiences, popularity, you're running after yourself, you're running after a status and power, if you're running after these things, they will let you down. But Jesus doesn't. He protects you when he's dying upon the cross, taking the wrath that we deserve. He protects you. The good shepherd protects you. Hallelujah. What else does the good shepherd do? Here we are. It's Easter Sunday, people. John chapter 10, verses uh, 17 and 18. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The good shepherd, he died and he came back to life. It's Easter Sunday. Jesus is risen. The good shepherd lays his life down for you only to take it up again, because he has the authority to do that. Why would we ever follow anything else? Why? All these other things, these bad shepherds I've just been describing, they pale, they're just so insignificant, that they're nothing in comparison to the good shepherd. Protects you, lays down his life for you, only to take it back up again. He gives you life. You know what he also says in this chapter? Uh, where are we? Somewhere in here. He talks about the good shepherd. The thief comes to steal and destroy. But the good shepherd gives life in all its fullness. All its fullness. For some of you who are running after experiences... And, uh, and you're running after maybe uh, sexual experiences and stuff. Jesus, who is the good shepherd, he, he never, ever had, had sex or anything like that. And he lived life in all its fullness. Isn't that wonderful? We don't have to run after these things. Jesus. Jesus. We run after him. It's in him that we find our satisfaction. And this doesn't mean that life is therefore easy. It doesn't mean that life is, oh, life's going swell. I'm following the good shepherd people. Nothing bad ever happens to me. No, that's not true. That's a lie. Bad things can happen and bad things do happen. But when you're stood with the good shepherd, when you're close to him, he protects you. He gives you life. When the worst thing which can possibly happen, which is death, he will raise you back to life and you'll get to be in heaven forever, for eternity. He gives you life in all its fullness. What else does the good shepherd do? He gives you an identity and purpose. When Jesus was baptized um, earlier on in Jesus' life, uh, we can read in Matthew chapter 3 that the, order, the voice of God the Father could be heard saying, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. When the sheep are close to the good shepherds, God the Father says the same thing about us. 
When we follow the good shepherd and we make the good shepherd our Lord, God the Father says, this is my son, this is my daughter, you adopted, whom I love. God the Father loves you in whom I am well pleased. You, you receive adoption, you receive love, and you receive the pleasure of God. It gives you, that's your identity. If you're struggling today, who am I? Who am I supposed to be? Let God tell you. Let the good shepherd tell you. You're loved. You're adopted into the family of God. You're accepted. No longer do you have to chase for acceptance. You have it when you're a follower of the good shepherd. So not only do we receive identity, we receive purpose. Jesus says uh, a, few, a few weeks after he's resurrected, uh, he says, uh, the great commission, go out into all the world. And in a very big nutshell, tell everyone about me. We get a purpose. That is our purpose for living. You don't know what you're living for. You don't know why you're living. You find it when you're with the good shepherd. He gives you life in all its fullness. And he tells you, this is how you can live. This is what you can live for. If you're thinking, I really don't know who I, what I'm going to do when I grow up or whatever. Well, it's not necessarily a, uh, you know, an occupation uh, telling people about Jesus, but at least you know what you're going to be spending most of your life doing. He gives you purpose. On the very first Easter, there was a lady called Mary. And Mary was feeling lost. Mary uh, comes down to the tomb and she's wanting to anoint Jesus' body with balms and oils and stuff like that. Gets there, tomb's empty. Feeling lost, it says that she is crying about this. Where's my Lord? Where's his body? And then Jesus comes to her, but he's not revealed himself to be Jesus to her. And says, woman, why are you crying? And she says, they've, they've taken my Lord. Do you know where he is? Tell me where he is and I can go and get him. And then Jesus just said, Mary. And suddenly she could see. It's Jesus. He's alive. We read in John chapter 10, verse 3, the gatekeeper, which I think is the shepherd, opens the gate and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own, she own sheep by name. Today, some of you, you're being called by name. Jesus revealed himself to Mary by saying her name. And some of you today, Jesus is saying your name. He's calling you. He's calling you. He calls you by name. How do we respond to the good shepherd? You see, we are all like sheep. At the start, I made you all bar like your sheep in a, in a field. We are all like sheep. We are all like sheep in need of the good shepherd. How do we respond to the good shepherd? We make him the Lord of our life and we say, Everything is about you. My whole life is about you. My, I'm going to revolve my life all around you. You are my Lord. That's how we respond to 
the good shepherd. And when we do that, we receive protection, we receive identity, we receive purpose, we receive life. Make him the Lord of your life today, those of you who he's calling by name right now. There's a song, um, I'm going to have to get the words up for this on my phone, uh, called uh, Blessed Assurance. And the chorus goes, this is my story, this is my song, praising my saviour all the day long.